And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> I'm in, you bastards. Zero One Bravo out. Oh, hi, Horror Heisters. My top secret crack team has located a truckload of four loco. The old stuff. The band stuff. It's in the zombie no-go zone, and it's worth about a hundred mil on the streets. It's about three clicks from the... Oh, who am I fooling? I'm a loser. I'm going to 7-Eleven to buy 40 ounces to take over to my friends and play Dank Cellars and Demons. Here, you can watch a real heist movie. The sequel to Train to Busan, Peninsula. Hello everyone and welcome to The Vault, a startling monster horror, Tales of Terror. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Jason Jacknetti, and I'm joined uh, today by uh, three of uh, my three cohorts across your radio listening dial. Uh, OG Chris Honeywell. Do I need to get involved in this? <laughs> uh, the care metal hero, Chris Tyler. Hold on. I'm just picking which, um, which remote control car I'm taking with me. Ooh, we're both, we're, we're both hitting up the little girl on no, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no, no, not I, like that. I, I didn't mean that, and I, that not, didn't sound right. And my brother, Luke Jacanetti. The ground was weird. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> oh, my God. Three for three. Three for three. <laughs> she had, did the best lines. Uh, okay, folks, so if you're not sure what we're talking about, we're, um, it's probably because most people have not seen this yet. Uh, we're talking about what's it's called Peninsula. It originally was called Train to Busan 2. It's now usually referred to in the U.S. as Train to Busan Presents Peninsula. It is the uh, 2020 release, and we saw that hit uh, in, I want to say, this is a summer of 2020 summer. over in Korea, um, and then overseas it was there. And then in, in the U.S., it finally came out to stream on Amazon. It was sometime... I want to say end of October, early November, and then it became available on Blu-ray uh, and stuff like that right around Thanksgiving time. I, th I think it was a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, and it is the um, technically in name sequel to Train to Busan. Um, it's a sequel in that it takes place in the same universe. It's not a, it has nothing to do with anyone in the original uh, at all, another, in the original Train to Busan. And if you haven't heard our episode of Train to Busan, you should go back and check that out because we definitely covered that uh, a couple months ago. Um, and it's a great movie worth seeing. Um, this movie was uh, a financial success to say the least. 
Um, it made in Vietnam opening weekend, it wound up making uh, about a million dollars. Now think about that. It's in a time of the pandemic. It's opening weekend made a million. Uh, it's gross domestically was like 1.2 million. Uh, it's worldwide gross though is 42 million, about 42.7 million dollars. And considering you're thinking like, well, Jay, movies make hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I understand, but in this time, that's a really good return on investment yeah. uh, for a movie that couldn't actually go to theaters anywhere. Um, well, no theaters. It's also, open. it's also to consider that it's a Korean film that's making yes. that too. That you think yeah. about that, you know. Yeah. You know, we 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 we're used to now, and and that's you know that that that's because we're we're all Americans. We're all here in the West. We're used to thinking about the. The, the grosses for American film, for a, a, a film, a homegrown Korean film to make that kind of money, that really says something. And I think it speaks primarily to the the general goodwill and strong reception that Train to Busan had here in the West uh, to the point that, you know, I, I'm and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe there was an English language version of Train to Busan prepared, but there is an English language version of Peninsula that uh, if you get the home media version, you can watch. So they knew that they had something they could sell here in the West. They definitely, they definitely made, um, well, like, um, like uh, American movies now, like really will aim things at the Chinese market. There was a lot of mention and talk and a bit of, you know, location in Hong Kong. And uh, there were even some sort of Raymond Burr, sub Raymond Burr uh, tacked in Amer the American newscast and some Americans. I love Americans in these movies. Yeah. They're, they're always just simple lines and they're probably some Russian dude, you know, that just, <laughs> yeah. you know, they gave him a few English lines, but like that news, but you could tell that they were <clears throat> hoping to appeal, you know, get some appeal in the Chinese and American market, which is where, the, you know where the money's at and yeah. at the same time also they probably like broke into that market with the first movie so they definitely i i think they made a conscious effort in this one to sort of tailor it to to for for uh, try it because i i saw a version that was a mix of it had so it had people speaking in in broken english yeah people speaking in english and subtitles yep. in it yes so it was it was uh, just a, a mishmash of that, and I, I was fine with I was fine with that. Sometimes, sometimes, it, luckily, the broken English also had the English subtitles on it, so I never like had any trouble with it. But yeah, so just, it, to, just to speak to what Luke was saying, real quick, hang on, Chris. So the movie, so in, in Korea, it made twenty eight point seven million. Vietnam, three point five. Japan, just under three. Right. Hong Kong. So it, they definitely knew they were going to appeal to the to the uh, the you know that market over there. Uh, Vietnam, Japan, Hong Kong. These are all well over two million, three million dollars. Uh, and then domestically, we made this one point two Mexico, one point six. They knew that the success of Train to Busan meant that we had to make sure we put stuff in here that people are going to want to latch on to. And this is an easy movie to very easy, easy in that it's easy to kind of what's happening in the movie, even if you had to read subtitles, yeah. Right? Yeah. it was not hard to kind of focus on what the heck's going on. So no, no. Yeah. Um, just want well, to, once throw, you know who everybody yeah, is, think about their this motivations movie. are, you really yeah. don't need dialogue. 
you you could not understand but if once you know that like okay there's the money's in that truck they got to get the truck and, and if you bring the money they take you out of the hell hole that's all you need to know it visually will would work you through if i just love that the the american newscast was a like no newscast ever because it's four years after everything happened yeah and and they're having a newscast where the woman's like so what happened? Well, four years passed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, everybody <laughs> knows that because they've all watched it on the news over and over again and watched 50,000 documentaries on it. Nobody's having this, <laughs> these exposition conversations like this. It was just, yeah. it was, it was, it was, I, I don't know if that was, it almost seemed tacked on because it was so green screened, at, <laughs> you know, layers of green screen, but, uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit because there, yes. there is a tradition yes. in in, uh, in in Asian film of when you need an Occidental actor just for a bit part to cast someone because they can speak a bit of speak enough Japanese to follow direction or in this case Korean that they that they can speak enough of the of the local language to take direction but also can speak passable English not necessarily that they're actors or you know that they they kind of look like they could play the role. Yep. And they can speak English enough that they can read the lines and sound somewhat Western. But they, it, you always get some interesting line reads. And that, that, like I said, that that Zuckerberg kind of looking guy on the on the talk show. Yes, I think he had about as much humanity as the actual Zuckerberg. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other thing too, this movie actually. Oh, was dude, awesome. he was he was. Um, oh, who's the comic who smashes uh, watermelons? Gallagher. Gallagher. He was Gallagher compared to Zuckerberg, but that's not saying much. That's <laughs> not saying much, yeah. Um, this movie actually was up for a number of different awards, um, including uh, Best Asian Film at the, uh, um, the Australian Academy of Cinematic, so that's their Academy Awards. Um, it was up for a number of things, including uh, for uh, supporting actress and supporting actor and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of things that happened, obviously, because you know, we are still waiting. Like Academy Awards haven't happened here yet, and I don't think this is going to be up for like best foreign film because they always snub these kind of things. But over, uh, you know, overseas, they look at things going okay. Like just because your movie is a monster movie or a horror movie doesn't preclude you from being the best movie of the year, especially when you're one of the top-grossing movies in all in South Korea for the year. It might have been the top-gross top-grossing. I don't see another movie that outgrossed it, but the idea is that. Uh, when you start watching things, I know, I know a lot of times we happen to, you know, we think we see it all the time here. It's like, well, you know, this movie made, you know, a $2 billion and it wins no Academy Awards. And then right. this other movie, no one ever saw or cares about and is, is not any good. It's the best. It's we're going to give it all the awards. So there there's, that's, uh, the old, um, Robert Downey Jr. Thing. He goes, some people make movies for art. I make movies make a fucking lot of money, and I kind of and you know I'll be honest with you, well more often than not, you know not that you could you can't have a good art movie, but often the movies that make a lot of money make a lot of money for a reason. And one of the things that I think Luke and I have talked about on other shows um, is when you start making movies to to fit for other markets. The Transformer series from America is a big proponent of that. Like the Transformer movies, they knew they were making that for the Asian market, and it plays well over there. The Fast and Furious movies play really well over there. You started getting that influence in their movies because they knew that 
Americans like those movies and it plays well Mm -hmm. over in the Mm -hmm. East. And when you think about this movie, the fast and furious stuff in this film, like the stuff it's, it's, it's the transporter and it's, and it's, um, cause those are three different, those are three movies and the fast and furious. And I don't know other movies that are like that, but I'm saying, but those are kind of the ones that made me think of it. Every one of those made insane money in Japan, Korea, China, Hong Kong, you name it. Right. So I was not surprised to see that here. Yeah. But they didn't lose what made Train to Busan so amazing. The effects in this movie are outstanding. There's nothing. There's not one smile. There's not one wink. There's nothing silly, nothing funny. It's just played super straight and super serious. The same way Train to Busan was played super straight and super serious, especially once the zombies show up. And once you're in a place where the zombies are there, you're in a true full-blown zombie movie. This is not like, this isn't, this isn't dead alive, right? There is no like, Hey, let's get the lawnmower. I kick ass for the Lord. There's actually very little gore in it. Like gore, gore in it. There's, there's blood, but there's not even a super amount. Like there isn't, huge amounts of gushing blood or or, or anything like that there's a, there's a lot of zombies getting pancaked but it's more yeah. just the the impact and the sound Every, that it's makes yeah it but visceral. everything's Tons taking place at night for the most part too so it's mute and i think i think it looks so and because the first version of this that i i found to watch was dubbed in french so i couldn't watch it and it was of a lower quality but that's being of a lower video compression it was brighter and you could see uh, it looked like the cgi looked a little cheesier but when i got a higher quality one and it was more of what it was supposed to look like it very you know darker and not sort of washed up a a little bit all of a sudden you know any any budgetary concerns with the cgi could get that 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 sort of gets me it goes back to our return of the living dead when we were talking about that parking lot that was lit so you could very little light but what you could see had some sharp definition to it you know here and there and when you when you sort of darken stuff down to tone down the cgi everything gets darker but it works gangbusters with this movie because it takes place at night and it, you're in a big city, but it makes everything claustrophobic all the time. Yeah, it's a big city, but it's a big derelict city, which means a, yeah, I mean, you can go and look out for miles, but everything's just a total shithole. Well, it's I mean, a you're, derelict city, and you can only see for a few feet, and even with your even with your infrared, on, you can only sort of see like in a straight line. You know, it's very, you know, that's been played a lot, and I mean, they take elements from everything i mean there's that the sequence at the end is almost like mad max i was just gonna say that the the way the military is handled in this is kind of a combination of like land of the dead 28 days it's got the like you know gladiatorial fights like land of the dead it's got the military gone crazy like 28 days later and dawn of the dead and it just it sort of plays elements from all of those what 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 I what I was thinking the whole time was it, it's the alien and aliens thing. Train to Busan is alien. It's the super intense, kind of a slow burn thing where it's you know 
you're just trying to survive until the end, like Ripley does, and like the you know the couple of people that are left at the end of Train to Busan are. And then the follow-up, where there's you seeing more of the ramifications of what happened in the original film, is is Aliens, and it's and it's structured more like Aliens, where it's we got to go in, we got to do this thing. And it's an action thriller. It like yeah. So in Aliens, they were better prepared. You they know, were they better prepared. They had yeah. a head start. In this one, they've had four years of experience of dealing with. And what I loved about this is, by you know, watching so many zombie movies and stuff like The Walking Dead that's ongoing. Like remember at the be you know that at the beginning of The Walking Dead, they're like, oh, if we smell like dead people, they won't notice us. Well, why didn't they just do that all the time forever, and then it's fine yeah. for you get used to the stench of death, which you do anyway. And 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 they're attracted to noise, so I've always thought, why not just find a pit and put something that makes a lot of noise in it, dump yeah. a lot of gas in the pit, and just leave it running all the time, and uh, and just keep torching, just have a trap like a a, a bug zapper or something, you know. But this and, and, you know, sometimes they would address it like Land of the Dead. They did the fireworks to distract the zombies and stuff. But it made it that only made me think, well, there's a lot of other things that they could do, too, that would be very effective. In this movie, you see the people who survived have found all the time. You know, we use flares. They got the the remote control car. And I love it. I'm, I love it. Somebody actually thought of that. And they, you, you know, these people are using tactic you know tactics to deal so now they can deal with more zombies without it being just a a total you know death sentence with them and and that's what people would really do and and that goes back to they never crack a smile with it there's never a catchphrase or anything like that and that's what that's what i i that's optimally that's how i like my zombie movies in sort of that room and once again this this like in this and the dead they're not like Romero movies, but they have the same spirit behind them and the same sort of idea and, and environment behind them where you're immersed in it and you're not, it's not as much of a ride as it is like get going into zombie world for real, which is what gives it the visceral thrill about it. Yeah. I, I mean, even that, uh, of course, a, a, a nefarious military group would set up a, a survival contest in the middle of a compound where we're just going to unleash a whole bunch of infected people on you and we're going to bet on who lives and who dies they of didn't course. use the blob zombie enough no but i was like oh yeah. that grand falloon looking thing is amazing like, <laughs> great design holy shit i was not expecting that i mean it's very lovecraftian uh, i mean look, from uh what do you call it? um uh, color out of space. Remember when they yes. get kind of morphed together? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, but look this one, all you gotta do is staple them right together and yeah. make them into a yeah. ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that that whole that whole bit reminded me even more of this song because you mentioned you know aliens and we mentioned Mad Max. Really, thematically, the film this made me think of most was Escape from New York. Yeah. yeah. That is that there. you get they they get sent in, they got to retrieve the thing and they got to get out and it's all going to go, you know, uh, it all go tits up. <laughs> and and inevitably but it, it's the same thing. Snake gets captured and put into the gladiatorial pit against Ox Baker in uh yep. in Escape from New York. So that I mean it it wears its influences very plainly, but it does a really good job of doing riffs on those influences. 
Well, it takes them a a step further because, like, the gladiatorial scene, like in in Escape from New York and in Land of the Dead, it's more more cinematic, whereas it's, like, a a fight. And I thought number 61 was going to do better because he was, like, better fight, you know, he would fight more and stuff. But no, when they released the zombies, it was, like, more like it would really be in real life. Everybody just runs for the hill. It's yeah. just everybody running in every day. It's just everybody running around like well, chickens like, with their heads. Like Zombie Land showed us, the uh, if you didn't keep up with your cardio. <laughs> you yes, know, yes. You, the slow there, people there get eaten first. There wasn't like kung fu set pieces, or you know, there was fighting, but it was usually the people who were doing the real fighting were like the military people or the people who'd been like, but and it was more realistic. It wasn't just ridiculous, like it would usually be in one in an over the top movie. Yeah, but, well, it's uh, like yeah. it, every couple of years, people try to reinvent the zombie movie, and I don't think it needs reinvention. I think it just needs to be done like this, where you treat the subject matter seriously, and yeah, are you wearing the influences on your sleeve, like you guys said? Yes, but you're doing it right. You're not making a mockery out of your own basic source material. It, it doesn't need to be reinvented. It just right. needs to be done correctly. This one, like, and and the thing, and like doing one that's totally serious, you like, I like the ones, like, if you're doing one, like, there's different kinds of zombies. There's a zombie. I mean, Romero was able to do the zombie movies that were sort of social period commentaries. And like 28 Days Later, I mean, they always have sort of commentary on human nature and stuff. But the ones that are sort of like, uh, of their time and sort of like use the zombie thing as a thing to play off the mores of their time are usually the ones that have more nods and winks in them. And this one, I mean, it has stuff in it that's going to date it. Like it, it, that's neat in a sort of social way. Like I was like, I, you know, Americans are always like these big sort of rough Aryan looking guys. And, the the like the woman Jane from the UN is this big motherly vaguely Hispanic looking you know woman who's you know everybody has their sort of look and it's sort of a look through the 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 Korean filter you know the South Korean filter but it's not really it's you know the 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 underlying story in it is all the stuff between the characters you know it's the one guy having his survivor's guilt and. And, you know, the coincidence of meeting up with the woman that he refused to save that one time. And it's handled just like in Train to Busan really well. You know, it's not sappy or syrupy. It's not the kids aren't overly cute. They're real kids. And. uh, Yeah, it's it's pitch perfect in that regard. The last three zombie movies we've watched have been pretty much pitch perfect. Right. All the way through. It's ama- it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, to nitpick, the only real complaint I had about Peninsula was that it only deals with the ending of Train to Busan in a very oblique way. Because, you know, Train to Busan, uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen it, it ends in kind of an inversion, uh, in my mind, it's, it's, it ends in an inversion of Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Where Night of the Living Dead, you know, uh, Ben is there and he's a survivor and he gets shot. Whereas here they're teasing us that that's what's going to happen. But uh, the woman and the little girl are, are rescued. They're not shot. OK. 
And so they don't really deal with that but and, and what their fate is. But they do say that, well, there was thought at the time that Busan was an area of safety, but even that wasn't true. It's it's just a throwaway line in the prologue, basically. So that entire, what it, what it means, it's it's one of those things that happens sometimes in, in sequels. It's like, well, so that means all the effort of the first film was literally for nothing, you know? Because that's yeah, how Busan, bad the Busan situation is. Busan is basically the little girl in in uh, Aliens and Alien Three. Yeah. Oh yeah, she died in the crash. <laughs> Pucci died on way on his way back to his home planet. But... <laughs> even better, even better. Yeah. So you know, so that but that's fine because it what it's doing is it's taking that story and it's it's spinning it off into it into its own it, its own framework here to tell a different story. And and a very a very different story, both really in tone and and in in genre. So I'm more than happy with that. I said that if that's the biggest complaint for a standalone film was like, well, it doesn't resolve something from a previous film. It's like, eh, you know, that that's kind of that's kind of fanish, you know. The film stands on its own. If you don't have, if you've never seen Train to Busan, let's say you're Joe Bloggs off the street, you go to your local Red Box and by some miracle it has this movie. And you 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 get your little disc and you go home and you've never seen Train to Busan, you're you're gonna say, oh, this is a Korean movie, that's interesting, and then you're gonna watch it and you're not gonna know that you missed anything. Yeah. So that to me is a mark of a of a good sequel of this type, right? There you know there there are sequels that require you to have seen the first one, and then there are sequels that don't, and this one squarely falls into the the latter category, and it does a really good job of it. Yeah. The the yeah. other uh, yeah you know I mean that's there's so a part of me, like I said, was disappointed that we didn't find that out. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but this thing is bananas go nuts in its own way. I, I'm I I like him. I like him better being non not non they're, they're not not nonlinear sequels, whereas to have as story goes. But as as far as the universe goes, if they all and I mean, that's basically what Romero did. He never had characters come back or any continuity between stuff in in any of the movies it was just sort of you know isolated you know it's it's, although this with busan it has more of a feel of like not the movie but the book um world war z where you know you just clip a there's a different story from a different time period and this one's more of a heist story that you know it's a lot of different stories actually yeah. But that, in it's, essence, it's a high story, you know. And you could you could actually make, not that they're necessarily going to, because again, you got to worry about you know what happens if the next one doesn't hit. You could make another sequel that literally has nothing to do with any of the characters from this sequel. Sure. Know? And it yeah, literally the uh you know the cleanup team going in to try to like okay let's try to get our city back let's try to reclaim you know it could be that thing it could be any like you know what I'm saying so that's that it, it, in I. Yeah, I know we we watched the dead already, and when you watch the dead two, it doesn't have anything to do with the first one, right? It's just it's the same world, and that's the thing is when you make movies that live in a certain world, even if they have nothing to do with the previous movie, but you kind of can understand where the world is. It doesn't limit your audience. Yeah, if you have to if you limit your audience by saying, well, you need to go back and watch this movie before you can watch this movie. I mean, this movie costs two dollars to rent on Amazon right now. You can rent it anytime on Amazon, two bucks, right? To buy it on Amazon, I think it was nine bucks, right? Kind of thing. You watch it digitally. So someone might be like, "Hey, what's the new horror movies?" And when this came out, and again, it's, it was back in November, people were willing to rent and buy movies. 
So there are people who probably bought this movie and said, what is this? Okay, well, let me check it out. And they watched it, and they said, it was pretty good. And what happened? They said, there's the first movie, and they then went back and watched Train to Busan probably after, and it wouldn't have mattered because it didn't affect nope. the story overall. Yeah. And then you go back and watch it. You know, it's it's I, it's. That's why I kind of I was kind of bummed when I heard they were remaking it in mm-hmm. for for America, Train to Busan for America, because really, like, and and the thing about it is, you know, I mean, the the tones were not of the two movies were not. Um, exactly the same, but they were similar enough that it felt like the same u- universe. Mm-hmm. Why not just do one where, say, you know, a ship, full, you know, where the the it get it comes into America, and then it's you know train to Detroit or or whatever, or you know bus to Detroit or <laughs> whatever. But it could take place in the same universe. It, it wouldn't have to be a remake of it and a reimagining. It could just be the third train to Busan movie. Yeah. And this you, one's, you, you could internationally franchise this yeah, you could ha- without a yeah. problem. Yeah. You could just keep making them in the country. You know, each country gets its own, its own crack at the plague when it gets to it. And you could even like, if you knew, if you knew, ooh, you know, Mexico's thinking about making, uh, you know, Canada, Canada's got a burgeoning industry and stuff. You could start hinting at it and the, and the other movies have, you know, have at the end of one movie guy go like, no, I'm not bit, eh? And, you know, and, and, um, <laughs> and then pass the torch off to Canada. Yeah. I mean, sleigh ride to Canada. Lumberjack looking zombies wallowing around. <laughs> Unless what if they're French Canadian zombies, that would be different. Oh yeah, that would be totally different. I, that's yeah, what bunch, I want to see. I want to see a of bunch, guys, of, bunch, bunch of zombies burly, with fleur de lis on. I was gonna say a bunch of burly guys in hab sweaters. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> you know, you know though that like I mean obviously you know anything that the, the that's made in Japan or Korea. I mean that was the whole J-pop, the gel J horror kind of stuff that came out of uh, Japan. You know, Rangyu and uh, Juan and all those movies. They were remade over and over and over again here in America. Uh, to lessening degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were to just make a sequel to this, um, you know, it depends on really who's going to be involved and who's backing it and stuff like that. You could make a sequel. You could make a sequel very easily in because we live now in a, in a you know, the last year has been literally like, well, that's a disease over there. That's an over there problem. Here in America, we don't have that problem. And right. anybody who thought that was going to be what happened it's fucking stupid as the day is long because there was no way that's going to stay an over there problem. It's going to become an everywhere fucking problem because people are assholes. And that literally, I'm sorry, it's true, but that's how you make no, the, that's the, the thesis of most, uh, not most, but a good chunk of horror and disaster movies yeah. is people are assholes. And so you could definitely have something where it comes over and it doesn't even have to be that someone's infected and comes over is that they, they, I mean, literally the next film could open with they're going in and they're trying to capture the zombie, try to figure out to make a weapon out of it. Like, I know we've seen that before, um, you know, kind of thing. In fact, in world war Z, it kind of became an idea in the film to weaponize whatever it's becoming. But if you look at it, like they were saying that and someone gets infected and they don't realize they're infected and they carry it back. I mean, we've seen that in how many different films to varying degrees of success. But if you had someone who was 
coming back in. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I have no bites. I have no nothing. And they're checking you, but it somehow gets into their bloodstream. Or, you know, just even through like a, like simple things, like through a tear duct or something like that, just a drop of the blood. A mosquito. Could, or, yeah. Literally gets to the point where you could now get that to come in. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, Uber to Utah. It could be <laughs> like whatever, you know, kind of thing. You guys stole the cool ones. I had to come up with another one. Uber to, to Utah. Utah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nothing screams cool hipster stuff like that. Um, but the idea is if you had something along those lines where literally this is starting to outbreak and it's like, okay, we have to shut this down. And unlike Return to Living Dead, you're not dropping a nuclear warhead on Louisville. Like, you know, just saying. Like, you have to be able to get to a place where you can – you know, try to control this, but we know it would not be controlled. You know, it would outbreak and get worse. It's just part of what has to, you know, it, it's what could happen. It's a horror movie franchise. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, um, you the, don't, the other, it's a horror movie the, franchise that doesn't have to distort reality and in, in the just yeah. sheer dystopianism <laughs> of it. Right. And, and, the, he, and, and it's now more believable. You know, the, the Planet of the Apes movies where the, you know, with all the montages of people sneezing on each other and stuff are have got to play differently now. I haven't watched them since pandemic times, but I they've got to play differently with the little dots traveling all over the earth and spreading out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the other the other part of this that to me, I'm not. I'm, I'm, maybe I just missed something on it. As again, it's from the prologue, and they talk about how they thought that Busan was safe, but but it wasn't, and the South Korean government lost control of the and lost control within a day, and they said that you know the only place that was safe was North Korea. So is the I guess I guess the implication here, and and she the 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 host yeah. even says, well, it's a good thing this happened before unification, reunification. Um, so I, I guess the implication being that, you know, uh, simply by manning the demilitarized zone, the North Koreans are able to keep all the, the zombies from crossing. They just gun them all down, I guess. Or they if, if we want to be cynical, zone. if we want to be cynical about it, he might have just been full of shit and or, or or it just seems like that because North Korea is locked off and that's what they tell people. Oh, we have no well, zombie problem here. <laughs> well, yes, that was my thought. But then it's like, okay, but if let, let's say that, let's say for the sake of argument, that they are full of crap and it's typical North Korean uh, misinformation right. and the zombies are, are, are taken over. What's stopping them from going into main, onto the mainland? What's what, you know, right. off the peninsula? What wouldn't they be in China at that point? I mean, I understand the only part of China we see is Hong Kong. But wouldn't they be on continental China at that point also and spreading to the rest of Asia? So maybe China as I said, seems a little mess. China seems re it's like it seems like the rest of the world, it, like China seems like I don't know if maybe that's just like supposed to be the Hong Kong. But it seemed like the Hong Kong underworld was a little more underworld. It seemed like there was, you know, more unrest. It seemed like it was causing unrest <laughs> everywhere, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but you know, Hong and say Hong Kong gangsters are a good a good True. choice for a movie villain too. So True. And, and which which leads to the other thing. It's like, did any show of hands around the podcast was anybody surprised when they double crossed the captain at the end there? No. 
No, no. As so, a matter yeah. of fact, it was like as soon as I saw him going on there, it's like, well, it's a good thing he's going on here because there's no reason for those people to want to split that money. I was right. from the very beginning. It's just like, yeah, why would you want to split? You know, why would these these people obviously don't want to split any money with anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Especially when for, it means ten yeah, million dollars. Yeah. The other thing yeah. too is because it's because it's, it's like if they were gonna split it, they'd say, "Okay, we'll give you a hundred thousand mm. dollars," you know, and that's still a, a a crap ton of money if you if you don't have two nickels to rub together. You yeah. know? Now, what I would have been interested in if these if it was a true heist movie and these guys were had the true swindler spirit when they got over there. They would have been like, uh, you know, one of them would have been like, "All right, gang, here's the plan." I called my friend, you know, Pirate Pete. <laughs> He's coming to pick us up and we're leaving with all the money. <laughs> you know, so, so, something like that. Or, you know, at some point in it or or they hijack a ship from, you know, or something. I would have had them like like I would have had there been a have there been a double cross. But the only yeah. the uh, my I, I, I'm sorry, just just you talking about heist movie. You know, I did. I do have to admit when the captain you know, it's shot and he hits the uh, trans. He, he puts the truck in gear and it starts going reverse and it teeters on the edge of the boat. I did immediately kind of flash back to the original version of the Italian job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the bus, you know, I've got, hang on, hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. <laughs> so here's, here's, a, here's another show of hands question. Show of hands, who thought that cab driver lady was going to play an important role in the movie as a navigator and was going to be this fucking awesome character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, I, I was stoked for her. I, I thought it was great that it was just like, here we get this regular, normal everyday woman who drove a cab. I wasn't expecting, I, I don't know. Well, I, I was like, why is she there? And then she's live, like, really? I, I drive a cab. And as soon as I, I used to drive a cab around here. And then I thought to myself, Dude, that's fucking awesome. She's sort of the Glenn of the, you know, he was a yeah. pizza delivery guy. He, she's the Glenn of it. And, and she's just, a, you know, she's just sort of this, uh, she's older. She's just sort of this working class lady. And like, and I'm like, awesome. And then the one guy in the movie, as soon as I'm going, thinking to myself, awesome, he goes, all right, it looks like we're getting a good team here. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, and I expected like, a payoff. I was like, okay, there'll be a payoff later on where, you know, she she gets you know navigates them somewhere, knows a secret route or something. But nope, they they do it like a good zombie movie is where eh, anybody could go, anybody could go. Everybody yeah. from the original group is dead, other than the, the brother-in-laws, <laughs> just gone. Yeah. Like, yep. One of the things I, I also you notice uh, a little bit of and you see in the Hong Kong scene is that they don't really want the refugees. Uh, and, and that's something that um, the Japanese panic movies that they did, the disaster movies they made, like Subversion of Japan and um, Deathquake and all those other movies that kind of came out in the late 60s into the early 70s that were then, you know, kind of mirrored. Um, some of the stuff that was then happening in the U.S. with like earthquake and things like that, right? Uh, when, when again, like the submerged in Japan, one of the big concerns is that as the Japanese have to leave Japan because it's sinking, um, you know, are other places willing to accept them as refugees? You know, kind of thing. Well, would countries even let them in? 
And that's something you don't think about a lot of times in like a movie, like even a zombie movie here. Well, what they're, if they have to evacuate South Korea, cause the whole country's gone to shit. Well, who's going to take them? It ain't the North Koreans. They ain't going to take them. I mean, unless you want to become North Korean. I mean, then no one's, you know, that's not a good, you know, decision sometimes, but like, does, you know, do the, do the Chinese want them? You know, do the Japanese even want yeah. them? You know, kind of thing. Well, the Let's... stakes are higher in in this one because nobody understands, seems to understand exactly. the disease or anything. Like when he's in the bar and they're just like, oh, you guys are, you know, we don't want your dirty kind around here and stuff. Yeah. And he sort of pantomimes being a zombie at him. They're genuinely like alarmed and scared, you know, that genuinely unnerves them because they don't, you know, the people who've been involved in it pretty much know, like, you're not, you're, you're okay as long as you don't get bit. And then it goes pretty quick. So if you, if you hang around with somebody for a half, for a half hour, an hour, you know, they're not going to be a zombie, but to everybody, to the rest of the world, you just don't know. And they've seen, <laughs> you know, Korea just get like wiped out, you know? So, yeah. Think about this. This movie didn't come out like this movie wasn't like, oh, it just it came out like now. And they started filming during 2020 to, to have a movie with this, this amount of special effects and stunt driving and everything else that had to occur in this film. This was not a movie that was thrown together in like three weeks. No. This is years of time to make. So the thing is, when this is being made and it's 2018, probably early 2019 into 2020, there is not the pandemic we're dealing with. Right. And of course, now when you start talking about like, well, people not want people not trusting people from other countries, not trusting people from where the disease is from. We see that still happening go, yeah, to, of course. <laughs> to this very fucking day. We still see that. And the problem is it, it, it strikes. Would it have would this movie have hit on some of those notes? as much i mean we all understand that i think everyone can understand the idea in asia it might have in, no, in like right. you know but no but not, i'm seeing not in like, america <laughs> right because because when 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 sars hit and um the bird you know flew and all that other stuff it didn't hit in america the way this did it no didn't this country it didn't cripple the world so with this the the, the aspects of this film that hit I think harder now because of what we're going through and think about it when it came out in, 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 uh, over in, in Asia and stuff like that, in, so in Korea and Vietnam, that was in like July, like we were still shut down pretty much. Yeah. It came out in America before Thanksgiving when people were saying, I don't, I can't have Thanksgiving with my family or I have to have Thanksgiving, um, outside or I have to do like, it was it was happening at a time when we still were kind of there was no vaccine on the you know it wasn't it wasn't happening yet people weren't doing these things and those little things that may not have been a major thought in 2019 or you know kind of thing when you're making this movie to have it released in 2020 hit so many more makes this movie hit on such a deeper level that even years to go even years from now when hopefully everything is back to normal and all the other, you know, no more masks and all the other bullshit stuff's done. You're still going to remember back and say, Oh yeah. Remember? It's like, it's, I, I always joke. People say like, like, people say like, well, you know, it'll be over now. I'm like in, in like five years when you reach into the pocket of a jacking, you're like, Oh, look, a mask. Oh, I remember this. And then you're like ready to like 
go out and have a Mad Max adventure because that's what the world's turned into because the <laughs> pandemic was nothing. And now we're dealing with like where, you know, don't become reliant on water, you know, kind of things <laughs> like that. Yes. Um, you know, so but it's it's things like that that hit harder when we watch uh, films, especially zombie movies. Now, we've watched The Dead and we watched Train to Busan. And when you watch Train to Busan, there's people that crowded on this train. Right now, we can't do that. Like, you don't have that. In The Dead, you know, everyone's going to, they may, they eventually kind of all crowd into the one place at the very end to try to survive. It's like, okay, but like, we're in a place now where we're not allowed to be like that. But yet, at the same time, and I wish I was kidding, every year we do all our drills and everything because God forbid there's an active shooter, you know, we hope that never happens where we are. Or anywhere for that matter, but hope it doesn't happen. We have to practice that, and everyone's like, "Well, how do we how do we practice and not keep social distance?" I said, "In a real emergency, I'm not worried about exactly. COVID. I'm worried about surviving what the emergency is." Now, in this film, the emergency is a you know a deadly virus that's now turning people into zombies and killing people, right? And that could be any number of things. And I think that's one of the things that has changed. I'm not trying to be all philosophical or anything because people know that's not usually how I am, but it's just, if you kind of look at the big picture of things and it's just kind of crazy how things line up sometimes, right? They, they didn't know there was a pandemic. They made this movie. It now hits on different things that train to Busan didn't hit on because at that time we weren't going through a pandemic and now those things mean even more. So anyway, timing, they yeah. lucked out, I guess. <laughs> you, you, they lucked out, but they didn't luck out because it couldn't go into theaters. But I don't know if this would have played in a whole lot of theaters here. You no, know, it, not here. No, no. no. Well, no, overseas it would have, and I think. But yeah, remember, that would have just up their overseas take for yeah. sure. Right, I'm saying. Remember when we when we reviewed the, uh, um, Neil Marshall's The Descent, and like we talked about the fact that The Descent played in the theaters for like a week, and then they pulled it. And then they put it to, and then then everyone was like, heard word of mouth about it. Fangoria covered it, Rumor covered it, and then like it came to home video, and everyone's like, "Wow, have you seen this movie?" That's what I feel would happen here. I don't know if this ever even gets a theatrical run. It certainly gets its run on Prime Video, or you can buy it on Prime Video because at the time, Train to Busan was free on Prime Video, and stuff like that. Like it might get its run there, but I'm not sure this makes the theaters. You know. Um, yeah. Because it's a hard sell. I mean, again, to some people, because, I mean, again, they do have an English language version of it, but it is, at the end of the day, still a foreign movie. And there are still a lot of people who won't go see a foreign movie, even if it's spoken in English. Just saying. So. But. Yeah, I'm 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 sort of like hoping that the new that the cinema experience like there's a local cinema here. And I don't think I, it was the last time on the, the show that I was talking about the local cinema here that had to, you know, close down for a while. But then they when they started being able to set like reopen at a quarter capacity or whatever, instead of just running movies, they were renting the place out to people who wanted to just, you know, bring, you could bring in a Blu-ray and and they would and they're digital anyway. So they could you could go and watch something in high quality or you know whatever movies were out that they had you could probably watch a screening of that but you would rent it out for you and your friends 
and they ended up like booking all the sh- and there were all these people who would get their friends together and and do this niche stuff and there was all sorts of podcasty sort of things where somebody would come up and be like this is you know such and such movie from blah 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 and give a little talk about it and stuff and uh i'm sort of i'm sort of curious and hoping i think that would be a great future and then like along with a resurgence in in drive-ins and i think that could be really cool you know yeah we've seen that with the drive-ins and shout out to uh friend of the show chuck rodriguez who is a big supporter of his local the 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 skyline uh drive-in uh so yeah and that that's always a funny thing you see that you know now suddenly drive-ins were were important again you know over the nabes anyway uh, and the plexes, but you know, the, the, I kind of agree with Jay. I don't know that it would have gotten a, uh, a theatrical release. Um, if, if it, in a air quotes up to the microphone, normal year, uh, it might've gotten one through like fathom or something like that, you know, where it's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, a more of an event type of situation. I'm personally thinking kind of how Shin Godzilla was, yes. uh, released here as a fathom event. So it only aired a couple of times in the U S theatrically, um, and Shin Godzilla is kind of a, in a similar boat in that it was a huge hit, won a ton of awards in Japan, and really just took a, a lot of people in the uh, in the East and West by by storm just because of mm-hmm. the uh, the way that it was produced. A little bit different, still po- kind of political in the subject matter, more overtly in, in Shin Godzilla's case. Whereas here, it's uh, th- this one is it. You're right. It is trying to be a bit more general, despite being a hard, an obvious hard R. You know, mm. but uh, and also some really suspect English acting in both films. But uh, you know. well, the funny part is I looked up to who those two people were, and both of them only act in like Korean movies. Yeah. Um, but like, so their job in Korea basically is to be in movies where they need an American. Yeah, they're they're yeah they're most of the time those types of actors or actresses that appear in uh, Eastern or Asian film. Um, and play Americans are usually uh, American or Canadian expats who are now living over yeah. there for yeah. uh, oftentimes you'll find the one that I like to point to is in the ga- the later Gamera films in the Showa era when they would have a Japanese child and an American child uh, being the two leads. Usually the uh, American kid was uh, the son of a serviceman that was stationed over there, you know. And it's like, hey, you want your, you know, you want to try some acting? You know, can you can you understand Japanese enough to follow direction? Yes, okay, you know, you're hired, kind of thing. That's but, why uh, I loved Don Fry was in the Godzilla movie. Yes, because Don Fry was over there punching. Um, he didn't care. It didn't have to be uh, Japanese guys. He punched anyone in the face and get punched in the face during pride fights. Uh, so he was ready to go throw some leather and then get in there and fight Godzilla. You know. <laughs> Yeah, be the be the captain of the Gotenko in Final Wars. Yep. <laughs> but now you know. It, but uh, it, but I agree with you too, uh, Chris. You know, it's the, the we are in a kind of a different world as far as how we're consuming our cinema. You know, that was always the threat for the last I don't know two three years, right? Is that Netflix is going to destroy the theaters when they start getting these uh, you know digital premieres and all that. And all, all it took was a global pandemic to start turning the wheels on that, right? Um, you know, not not to not to veer too, uh, you know, too far from our subject matter, but you know, I, I just a couple of weeks ago, as we're recording this, 
my family and I sat down on a Friday night and watched the, you know, uh, the, the, on the first night it was available, a premiere, if you will, of Tom and Jerry on HBO max. So and, we- yeah. So this idea of a digital premiere, I, I'm starting to get behind that and understand the benefit, especially, especially you know, for Tom and Jerry, you know, as right, opposed as to say, like- for a, for a, for a B picture, uh, a family picture when I've got, you know, four kids in the house, it's like that this outing to the theater, when you factor in everything else is going to cost me, you know, it's going to cost me 50, 60 bucks, or it's going to cost me, you know, whatever my subscription to HBO max is, that's amortized across the entire 12 months. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, two packs of uh, pop secret. Well, like from what people have told me about the, the sequel to uh, coming to America, it's good, which, yeah. And like, um, the, there's been this whole story, string of direct-to-video sequels there was a jay and silent bob one there's coming to america there was bill and ted and there, there was one more there's a peewee herman also wasn't there there was, was Pee Wee herman but peewee yeah. herman was different and it was further there, there's been a string of them okay. where they've had where it's been you know a sequel to to uh 80s property and it and the storyline has been about the next generation, a, a child or children. You know, Jay and oh, Silent Bob actually new has new Ghostbusters isn't out yet, but that's got the same that's idea. The sa- same sort of idea, and they've and they and they all were like they weren't you know change the world films, but they were nice and they were good additions to probably the strongest. I haven't seen Coming to America yet, but like Jane's or uh, not Jane Silent Bob, but uh, the Bill and Ted being the strongest of all of them. But they were all, they all ended up being like sweet, nostalgic without being pandering and up, up to a level where it didn't seem half-assed or forced. It, they, they were just nice movies, but they worked perfectly as digital releases better Mm -hmm. like if they'd been put out in theaters they probably wouldn't have been like reacted to as well they would have been like dismissed a little more but like as a digital home experience they were just like perfect nice little movies that that like were and actually they were what they all like a lot of them came out in pandemic time where it was nice to see something that was just sort of like kind of wholesome and and it but was familiar too. Familiar, yeah. familiar, but not you know treacly yeah. and not you know half-assed and like had had well, some and, thought and, thought put into yeah. it and had the essence of the original. And you going can and it also it. yeah and and the, from the from the marketing perspective it also is you've got Bill and Ted is a perfect example of this because John uh, about about a month ago we what uh, you know I we my wife and I we have a list of live action movies that the kids need to watch. Right. <laughs> and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey was on that list and was on that list before Face to Music had its uh, its its release. And and we had said when so we every now and again, they'll they'll, they'll start asking to watch a movie. It's like, OK, we go to the list and they complain vehemently about every movie from that list we pick. But then they love all of them. And yep. Bill and Ted was no different. And so it's like a movie like Bill and Ted Face to Music. It's kind of a perfect marketing scheme. Right. It's like you've got parents who remember Bill and Ted, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from when they were, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, and now they all have children and they're like, oh, you guys will love this. Yep. 
and it's and like it's something okay, you can watch and, and together. It's something yeah. you can watch together, and it's it, from a content standpoint, it's perfect for the younger set too. Yes. You know, the, uh, yes. the two they're they're still two dim guys. You know, whatever the setting is, they're still two. <laughs> the Jay and Silent Bob point, one. Point, however, Jay and Silent Bob get better one instruments less, so. until we get Eddie Van Halen in the band. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so the I mean, really, that that's always been the thing, right? Is that because you're absolutely right. What what's what are these going to do with the tentpole movies? You know, and so far the only you know tentpole one we've had like that is a bit of an outlier because Wonder Woman eighty four was the first one and it came out at Christmas time, so it's that one is. I mean, I don't I don't mean to go Earth Destruction Directive on everybody here, but Godzilla versus Kong is going to be where the rubber meets the road for this concept. Yeah. Because you're yep. talking about, I mean, again, uh, you know, again, it's first up, it's established. People have their HBO Max subscriptions. People understand how it works. We've had, this is going to be the third of these digital premieres. And now it's a movie that is, it. I mean, th this is like the fourth, uh, the fourth most viewed movie trailer in YouTube history. I think as of this recording, it's a movie that has had people just it's been delayed several times. There's a lot of built up anticipation. There's a ton of marketing for it. There's a yep. ton of merchandise and cat and, uh, yep. you know, tie on and knock on stuff. So it's like, what, how is this going to, how is this going to, going to play watching this big widescreen movie it, at home? Now, of course the, the, the really stupid part of all this is we have no idea because neither Warner's nor HBO nor legendary are going to tell us anything about how it succeeds or fails. Right. So all we're going to have is, Hey hero, did you watch that movie? Yeah. What'd you think about watching it at home? Well, I watched it on a big TV and I was happy with it. Cool. Me yeah. too. That's what it's going to be. You know, Yeah. yeah. I saw Scott, Gar I saw Scott Gardner watching, you know, the last Godzilla movie King of the Mon like, po posting that he watched it was watching King of the monsters. And I'm, and then I also simultaneously saw him setting up his new home entertainment center, which is, has a yeah. big projector. And going like, okay, he's preparing and he's getting set. I, the, I mean, I, like, if, if I, I this could, has if I really made me you. think if I wish I had, well, I'm thinking about it, but I wish I had the money and I hear they're hard to get. But one of my coworkers got the, one of the Oculus device, you yeah. know, the, the recent Oculus devices. Those are and he's been, he's been, he uses it mostly to play games on, but I go, what about movies? And he goes, oh. Well, you go watch a movie on it and you're in a virtual movie theater. Yeah. And he goes, it's you can look, cool. he goes, it looks just like a real movie theater or you can be floating in space, but you can basically blow up the screen to the periphery of your vision, you know, and, and depend, you know, and I imagine you'd have to have it in fairly high definition to get it like picture quality, like yeah. actually really like a movie theater. But he said, he said, I'm sitting on my couch at home and it's just like being in a movie theater, except his kids are running around and stuff. But yeah. then I'm like, I want one of those just how awesome would it be to be just to lay in bed and watch King Kong and panoramic, you know, and, right. you know, without, and now it, it it's almost re, a replacement for going to the movies, but at the same time, and and I hear there's like audio filters where they'll put a you know they will simulate the 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 you know the way it sounds in a, the room sound of a theater and all that if you really want to get goofy about it but you don't get the you don't get the communal audience reaction and now I 
And then I was like, maybe they can rig him up to the microphone on it. So when like people could go watch a movie and everybody's microphone, like, so you hear people laugh and everything. But then I was like, Nope, that would be the worst thing ever because yes. there would be people like "fuck you." I won't lie. I mean, I, I'm waiting for all this shit to end. All I want to do is I just I want to go spend like nine hours in the theater with a giant tub of popcorn and a Dr Pepper and just be like, "All right, I'm good." Like that's all I'm I want to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, here, here in uh, in South Carolina, the theaters are open. They're at reduced capacity and all that, and they socially distance you in the theater. But all of our theaters had gone to assigned seating, with the exception of the very small kind of nabe theater that we have in Greenville. Um, so, oh, for uh, I'm, uh, not to use lingo, nabe theater is like an independent neighborhood theater, you know, not a multiplex, a, you know, like a couple screen theater, like a mom and pop type theater. Yeah. It called it not. I'm, I don't want to use a term the listeners may be like, oh, that Jack and Eddie guy just likes using lingo, so he sounds smart. It's like certainly nothing I'm saying is all that smart. But anyway, <laughs> here in South Carolina, they're open. The problem is, of course, is that Regal and Cinemark, they're still closed. Not because of anything involving, you know, health and safety, but because they, they can't they, they can't afford to be open. Right. So, they can't afford to. They, yeah, yeah. Their profit margins are so thin anyway that like, right. yeah, un, being unable to run full. Yeah, yeah we, AF, we had two, AMCs, we had two neighborhood yeah. theaters and one of them went bankrupt. And is up for sale, and the other one well, has was a historical site, isn't it? Both of them, both, both one of the one that went up, the one that went bankrupt is the historical site, and it also that one and they they both were independent theaters. They were both tied in to. They were both, I think, declared nonprofits, so they were they got city money, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. So they had funding and stuff, but the other that that one was just. Just did, but the thing about that theater is it it was beloved, and the original owners had sold it to these people, and I'm sure there's a ton of, and there's actually some people who could, you know, there there's a very good chance that that movie theater could fall into the hands of say like people who are like 35 years old and really love podcasts and genre movies, yeah, type of thing. There's a very good chance that that could happen in that town. There's in this town. There's a lot of people like that. There's a film school in this town, so that theater could somebody's gonna scoop up that theater, right. and it yeah. and it could be it could be the same, but it could also be like it could could be it could potentially be better. The other one has been doing the rental stuff and yeah. they seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah, but I'm going to say in here, but like the AMC theaters are still open. So you can go see first run movies, the ones that are coming out, which is what I intend to do with with Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. Now the the but the thing is is that you know, you asked the question. We we that how we got on this was talking about, you know, would this have gotten a theatrical release? If if Peninsula, if they say Fathom Events puts out a thing is like, "Okay, at any theater that's open in your area, we're going to show Train to Pizan presents Peninsula one night Tuesday at 8 or whatever it was. Guess what? I'm probably going to buy a ticket for it because, <coughs> excuse me, you know, th this, as, as much as I enjoyed this film, watching it on, not even on Blu-ray, on DVD here on, at, at, at the house, this, and as much as I enjoyed the story, this film visually deserves to be on that big screen, right? And that is what, yeah. like I said, we, we talked about, you know, Chris, you said the alien versus aliens. This absolutely is 
something different from the realm of either, you know, glump all the Asian horror markets together, right? This is something different. Yes, we're used to high-octane stuff. Yes, we're used to a lot of action. But this crosses so many genres and, and like I said, where, and where, so many influences that it's such a it, – it, in a, a lesser film would have been pastiche, but here it's plainly homage – and the homage works really well because, like you said, it does something differently and it does it really yeah. well. So it even though, like, that it. end, like I said, I got that that huge – I didn't even think of Fast and Furious, which is funny because I'm the biggest Fast and Furious fan I know. That whole last segment to me was, like I said, was was Mad Max, you know, with uh-huh. the with the, the armored cars and all that. And uh, But but then, like I said, bringing in all those influences – and then just really just doing a great riff on it. What's what's funny is that a very very dear friend of mine, he is a uh, he, his his mother is Korean and his father was American. They actually met during the war, so he is technically a first generation. He's first generation American from his mom's side, right? And um, so he he freaking loved Train to Busan, you know. And and it's such it because of him it's such a such a Korean film right so I I was texting him earlier today asking if he had seen Peninsula and he hadn't so he was uh, I said oh well, I watched it last night for the for the podcast I was like oh you need to tell me when that drops because I absolutely want to you know I totally need to see that movie and I need to see that podcast so I'm like absolutely man no problem nice. got one listener in the bag shout out to my friend Joe <laughs> hey Joe. What are you doing with that gun in your hand? That was, you beat me to it, Chris. I'm gonna shoot my old lady. Butter messing around with another man. You know what's funny <laughs> is I first was exposed to that song in uh, a Weird Al Yankovic polka. Me too. Yeah. I just was listening to that on my headphones the other day. And I got a Davida, baby. <laughs> your lady, oh lady, who? Your lady, oh lady, who? Your lady, oh lady, who? A lady, who? I'm just an ordinary guy burning down the house. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I'm a little girl when we make love together. <laughs> oh, weird Al Polkas are amazing. They yeah, are. They are. I, I, once at work, I just like went out and found a YouTube playlist of all the Weird Al Yankovic polkas on 45s and just started playing them. And the first two, everybody was going nuts like, this is great. And then after like six, they were like, can we stop listening to this Never. <laughs> well but everyone I has listened to them all day yeah that's what i'm saying different themes like the head the the one that's like you know all uh you know pop songs when it's all yeah. like metal songs all whatever it's awesome you know so yeah. anyway yeah, the, the rolling stones one is is the hot rocks polka yes yeah, <laughs> yeah hot rocks polka <laughs> and the angry white boy polka is a good yeah, one that's well, good. a little bit more yeah. modern <laughs> So, yeah, folks, so if you want to check out Train to Busan, uh, of course, uh, you know, like we've said, it is available. The Blu-ray and DVD set, I actually own that. It's uh, it's great. The movie's you know pristine on there. It comes with an English language track, like Luke said. I watched it in English as well. Um, you can buy, you can rent it for $1.99 or I think it's $1.99 for standard, $2.99 for uh, digital for the HD on Amazon. Um, you can also buy it uh, digitally. I it was $9.99. I don't remember what it is. If it's changed, but it was $9.99. Uh, you can purchase that right through Amazon as well. Those might be your, <clears throat> excuse me, your best bets digitally if you want to get your hands on an actual uh, copy right that way. 
Um, obviously, uh, the the for those of you who are physical media people um, like myself and you know kind of thing, like you might want to you know pick it up. It's it's again, it's nothing super expensive. It's not like it's like a thirty dollar. It says like you know recommended price thirty dollars, but I think it's I'm, I'm thinking it's down to fifteen, sixteen dollars, seventeen dollars. I know when yeah. I pre-ordered it. Honestly, that that's about what I paid for it. Yeah, actually, it was funny. I got I got Peninsula and Monstrum on the same order just to keep, I guess, the Korean horror thing going on, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I want to say it was only yeah, it was only it wasn't it wasn't wasn't a super pricey disc for sure. So the thing is, when I pre-ordered the disc, it was probably like thirty nine ninety nine full price, you know. And it doesn't matter with Prime because they just ship whatever. But I know some people worry about prices because they have to get the twenty five dollars and whatever. So when you pre-order anything on Amazon, whatever the price you pre-order at, you can qualify for free shipping. And if it drops below it, they still ship for free. Uh, yeah. So what so happened? Just is- just to jump in here, Jay, as of right yeah. now, like live, live, you know, that real live, time, you know, z- zero day. We're live, brother. Okay. <laughs> Blu-ray plus DVD of Train to Busan, 1649 on Amazon. Uh, DVD, 1299. If you want to go the full experience, 4K, 2190. Oh, yeah, Peninsula is available, folks. And Train to Busan is very often uh, on Prime Video. So if you haven't checked out Train to Busan, check that out as well. Train to Busan will drop uh, the deed. The Blu-ray is usually about nine bucks. Um, I know I've picked up a copy. I think I bought that a copy. It was five dollars. They run crazy. I know not everyone's a Blu-ray guy, but they run crazy sales every once in a while. And that's why I'm able to score like like Detective Pikachu, four ninety nine. Sonic the Hedgehog, four ninety nine, brand new, with the digitals and everything both, else. And both I'm like, of which I've heard good, surprisingly yeah, good reviews both are, of. Both are fantastic. Both are fantastic movies. Both are good like, kid and family movies. We just rewatched Detective Pikachu last yep. weekend. It is it is a hoot. If you, especially, if again, if you have kids or if you've ever just played Pokemon, either yes. the card game or the video game, which I have, and so a lot of the a lot of the gags in it are are related around that. But even if you're not really into Pokemon, they're both really Pokemon, Detective Pikachu is good, and Sonic the Hedgehog is just a hoot. I yeah. I knew that something was up with both of those because Hope Mullinex is fans of both of those and went into both of those movies, and to say skeptically is putting it very lightly. She was ready to to hate 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 them, and she loved both of them, especially uh, Sonic. Yeah. Although she Sonic was a really pu- captures the Sonic the Hedgehog spirit. Okay. Speaking oh, yeah. as 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 Jay and I were Sega guys pre Sonic the Hedgehog, so oh, we yeah. had a Genesis before Sonic. Like our Genesis had Altered Beast as the pack in. We bought yes. Sonic yes. the Hedgehog as a standalone game, and it's like so we were ground floor for Sonic the Hedgehog, and that movie is oh man, it's a hoot. Yeah. And, and but the anyway, that that's that that's right. the aside, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying so what you'll see is every now and then, you know, Amazon will run those sales and stuff. So um, and again, I, they, they're kind of random when they run them and stuff. Um, but I know I've ordered Train to Busan. I think I when I think it was dad's copy. I ordered for him it was like five bucks and stuff like that. So just, you know, if you're interested in this stuff, you know, take a look. You know, I mean, I mean again, um, I mean, trained, I mean, trained to present uh, Peninsula is. They still have it on the shelves at Walmart, you know, kind of yeah. thing. It's not like it's, I mean, it, the day it came out, it was at Walmart. And I was like, this is great. I didn't think they would have it. I, I figured my Walmart would have it because they carry a lot of horror movies, but not all Walmarts carry those things. But it was on the shelves as a main release for the week. So well worth your time checking out. If again, if you have not watched Train to Busan, you don't need to see that first. This movie is okay to watch before you see Train to Busan. 
You should watch Train to Busan because it's outstanding. Yeah. That's a different thing, though. You should also check out The Dead, which we talked about uh, yeah. a couple episodes back. Um, and I would recommend, although it's a little harder to find The Dead sometimes, The Dead 2, the sequel to The Dead, is well worth people checking out as well. Those are four solid, no wink at the camera, no laugh, 100% serious zombie movies that do it completely differently. They're all different than each other, but they definitely hit on a lot of the things that people want to see and take you to a serious movie. Now, again, if you like your comedies and stuff, things that's a little more silly, Return of the Living Dead is always going to be there for you. It's, it's yeah. like it's like a warm sweater. It's always there. Yeah, but Shaun I, of the Dead's there for you at all times. Yeah. Is, Shaun of the Dead is one of the best movies made, period, in the 2000s. Yeah. It's funny as hell. It's great special effects. Every time it's on, we watch it. Haley and I are laughing our butts off every time we watch that movie. And then, of course, then they're going to then they show Hot Fuzz, which is, you know, one of the best buddy cop movies ever made. And it's still funny as hell. But anyway, that's a whole that, other podcast about. Simon now, was there a Busan animation? There also? is. Yeah, there is. And has that anybody was, seen that? Is it any good? I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it yet. It, that was on Prime Video. Um, and it's it's oh, it's something to soul. soul. It's Soul Station. Soul Station. Thank you. Soul Station, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Soul yeah. Station. Yeah, it was on Prime Video. I did not order the Blu-ray. They wanted like twenty-seven dollars for a Blu-ray, and I was like, Yikes. no, you're cracked. Um, so I again, it's available. It was on Prime. It goes on and off Prime every now and then. Um, and next time it's on Prime, I'm probably gonna just wind up watching it. From what I've heard, it's good, but again, it's animated, so. It's if you do not like animated movies or do not like anime in general, that might turn you off. But, right. you know, it's what it is, too. It's just like anything else. It's just part of the series of these movies. And I think people would be well served if you do like zombie movies, serious zombie movies. You'd be well served to search out both Train to Busan and Peninsula. And like we said, The Dead and The Dead 2, well on their way to kind of giving yourself some, you know, I didn't say they're upbeat movies. Don't look at it going, yeah. man, I love that upbeat film. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but they're <laughs> realistic and they're, they're there. So uh, by way of like hitting you, you know, with the, the realistic, the, the, you know, the kind of way you could see it's, again, it's, if, again, if you like comedies, then there's always zombie land and things like that too. But, you know, so. Can I also just put this out there? Apropos of nothing, mm. Peninsula at least the the North American and, and British version of the one sheet is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you go to Wikipedia here in the U.S. and you get the, it's got the, it just it's it's just the one sheet as the image. Mm-hmm. It looks like something from like 1983. Yeah, I, I I really really dig this. This would look really cool framed on on a wall in a in a a horror hounds uh you know uh man cave or uh, she shed or whatever wherever it is you consume your your horror product but it's it's you know it's it doesn't beat you over the head with it it's just creepy and atmospheric and you look at that and having seen the film it's like yup that is so much <laughs> of the film right there the the uh the desolation and then that the shape in the shadows that's you know that is out there you know yep. because it, and that that's the thing i will say that the dvd has a really stupid pull quote on it about twitchy zombies and it's like that normally turns me off but it's like these guys are twitchy in a in a 
you know, in a in a way that's still kind of that's still scary. It's not. They, not they never. Looking. I don't like runny, twitchy zombies, but in the, these two movies, they're yeah. fine because they didn't overdo them like in World War Z with like way they they knew how to pile them up and make it work. And it, yeah, they they really worked for me in this one in in the same way that they worked for me in Twenty Eight Days Later. But I don't yeah. I don't prefer them but i would prefer them in busan movies I'm, yeah i'm willing you, to accept it in contagion zombie films like this you yes know? i like the stuff where they do stuff where they crack the windows and they come pouring out the windows and stuff and, like yeah yeah it's yeah craziness yeah. so yep okay that's good so go check that stuff out folks okay thumbs up said. yeah yeah this is this is the kind of movie um, I mean, I, you know, it's, if you like this kind of stuff, this is the, this is the movie for you. So, yeah. And, oh. and Hey, you know what? Let me put this out there. If you guys, if any of y'all, I say guys, if any of you listeners out there have, have watched train to Busan or peninsula, write us an email or, sure. uh, you know, uh, freak, freak vault at gmail.com. Uh, that is, uh, that's the best way to get in touch with us. We've been trying to keep up with our email. Uh, so we, you know, we, we actually did get caught up. I want to say we read our, uh, our email from Roel last time about yes. night of the demons and all the other crazy, uh, demon movies yep. they were checking out on Amazon. I want you and his, his email sack. paid off yes. too, because we watched that movie. Yeah. So, so definitely fill, as hero funny. says, we need you to fill our sack. So we, we, you know, there's nothing else we can do to, but to, but to just plead, plead. Fill our email sack till it's bulging. We are we're dying to drain our email sack <laughs> on air <laughs> for you guys. Yeah, not not every podcast would do that for you, but we're that's willing to we, do that for we're you. We're willing to do that for you. That's how much you mean to us as <laughs> as our our beautiful listeners. <laughs> this all took a turn. <laughs> all you Sexy listeners, turn. all you listeners got pretty mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Now that that right. weirdness is out of the way, so, uh, you know, <laughs> Ser- seriously, freakvault at gmail.com. We'd love to hear if you've, if you've watched either of these films or both. What do you guys, uh, what do you listeners think? Um, because I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, that this, I, I wasn't sure. Normally, um, I said this on the Train to Busan episode, normally with movies that come in with a lot of hype that people say, yeah, this is good, I'm usually predispositioned to not like them. Mm-hmm. But I've, I, but I really, really enjoyed Train to Busan and I really enjoyed Peninsula, so, uh, yeah, go, go check them out, folks. If you're listening to this show, you'll probably dig them. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E- F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at Two True Freaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end space and the number two you can find two true freaks on facebook just search for two true freaks 
podcast. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Where have you been, Lord, friendly, my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Yeah.